Okay. Uh, <laughs> my name is James. And my name is Matt. And we're, we're talking, talking about, about games these days. day of our family vacation. Also worthy of note is that it's Halloween. That's so true. it's going to be. Which is actually very appropriate for this. Yeah. I didn't consider that. It won't be Halloween by the time the episode comes out. No. <laughs> it's definitely Halloween today. I think you can really hear it in our, uh, <laughs> our production here. <laughs> um, the game that we are talking about today is called Blasphemous. Yeah. Um, and it is a Metroidvania with souls, elements... Uh, action platformer. Yeah. Uh, maybe more more Metroidvania than Souls, maybe? Yes, and I would say more Vania than Metroid also. Oh. I think I would agree with that, too. Yeah. Yeah, actually. Uh, and it just came out this year. Yeah, this year on September 10th uh, was when it was released. Uh, this game was made by a group called The Game Kitchen. Uh, which also released two other games, uh, two Last Door games, which are kind of like uh, point-and-click, like uh, psychological horror games, but they have like a really cool, uh, like low pixel style, and I think they're kind of Lovecraftian horror games. Okay, so they've got they've got kind of a an area that they like <laughs> to work in. <laughs> yeah, uh, they're a Spanish studio, right? Yes. Uh, and cool. this game is special because I kickstarted it. Yeah, which is pretty um, sweet. I remember in the in the wake of uh, Dark Souls three, when everyone was you know bemoaning the fact that we'd never have a Souls game again. Right. Uh, there was a lot of similar uh, games that started popping up. Um, started seeing trailers for like Hollow Knight and uh, Dead Cells and stuff like that. Right. And, one of the things that uh, popped up around that time was the like Kickstarter uh, like demo reel for this game, and I thought it looked so cool. It looked really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, it seemed worth uh, uh, seems like it was worth kickstarting. Yeah, I think how I, long ago was that? Oh, it was like two years. Okay, um, not even too bad for a Kickstarter project. Not too bad, um, and they did a pretty good job. Like not super often updates but like every time there was an update it was yeah. interesting content That's good. Uh, I know there was an upper tier for like a more finished beta but one of the first things that they uh, sent out to backers was like a like a really uh, stripped down sort of uh, proof of concept yeah. playable demo that was pretty cool nice um, that was basically um, yeah, what was it it was a lot of art assets from uh like the opening area past um, Alberto. Okay. Um, and then ended with the uh, Ten Pai Dad uh, fight. The, uh, the goat head uh, tree arms guy. Oh, yeah, okay. The guy that's luxuriating in a, that's right. in a statue. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Yeah. And that's, I mean, so, so since this is like Metroidvania... People probably already know where that comes from, but just just to be <laughs> complete, 
So we had like Super Metroid, right. and we had Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Yes. Both of them had sort of like non-linear navigation yeah. with areas that you didn't have access to until you either got a key or even better, you got some sort of new ability, ability. Yeah. that not only allowed you access to the new area, but also maybe helped you in regular gameplay. Yeah. So like you got the double jump, so now you can jump up to a thing, or you right. can climb on walls now, and you, now you can get to this other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's also got the... Dark Souls DNA. Right. Uh, which started with Demon Souls. Yes. And then Dark Souls. Yes. And there's Bloodborne in there. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's based around a lot of, like, like each each fight being a little bit of a mini puzzle. Uh, yeah. Involving attacking, dodging, and blocking, kind mm-hmm. of parrying mechanics yeah. uh, with very, like... Very punishing difficulty if you mess something up. Yes. Uh, um, specifically, the thing that I think is a big part of Souls mechanic is having um, shared currencies. So um, the thing that you're gathering every time you kill an enemy is your money as well as something else. Yeah. Um, which is not actually something that they do in this game, which no. is fine. Yeah. Uh, but also the idea of having uh, the like bonfire-style checkpoints. Right, which is where when you save your progress, it resets the state of the world around yeah. you. And... and where you go back when you die. Yeah. And then when you die, leaving something behind to collect. Right. Um, so. Which they, they have an interesting little twist on it. Yeah. This one, which I appreciate the shit out I of. I bet. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that whole, like, when you die, you lose all your resources. Yeah. And if you don't make it back to where you lost them, then you lose them for good. Uh-huh. Uh, is infuriating. <laughs> I know. I so, know it's one of your least favorite things. It really is. It's like they made a Souls game for you. I know. I, I love it. <laughs> Uh, and previously, Hollow Knight has tried to merge these two together. Yeah. In a wildly successful way. Yes. <laughs> we covered uh, Salt and Sanctuary previously. Right. Uh, it was very unsuccessful yes. or unsatisfying. Ambitious, but not really what we wanted. Yeah, by our <laughs> estimation, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this... Like, I don't want to gush the whole episode, but I feel like this does everything that Salt and Sanctuary tries to do and hits the mark so much stronger. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yes. This is this was a this was impressive in all the ways that Salt and Sanctuary failed to impress. <laughs> Sorry guys. So, should we talk about the setting? Yeah, where is it set? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like gritty gothic fantasy sort of a thing. Right. Uh, I think it's technically post-apocalyptic. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. Right? I mean, like, the apocalypse is coming on. Yes. And now all your, all your stuff takes place in sort of the ruined grandeur of a formerly yeah. beautiful landscape. Yeah, uh, um, 
Svistonia? Is That's that, right. It's got a CV. I don't, I don't know. Oh. Svistonia. Oh, but is it... Is are V's used because uh, this be. is weird Latin stuff? It could be. Questonia? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, like, specifically when they were going for design aesthetics, um, they pulled a lot from, uh, like, Spanish, um, Orthodox, Catholic yeah. um, iconography. And along with some really good sort of grotesque yeah. human suffering and demon sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I, I noticed, maybe this is better saved for the art portion, mm-hmm. but um, that they drew a lot of inspiration from uh, specifically um, Goya paintings. Yeah. Um, apparently a lot of the character designs are pulled directly, almost directly from... Oh. He does, he's got a couple of different paintings that are about, like, the Inquisition and, like, right. stuff like that. I saw the one that has, like, people in little pointy hats yeah. that are flagellating themselves. Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah, that, that looks that's, like it's right out of game. Yeah, that's a real <laughs> thing, apparently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's the, uh, it's sort of like the ruins of a great sort of theocratic yeah. empire, and now things have kind of wasted away. Yeah. And it is kind of interesting because it's it's in a setting where, like, magic and the supernatural is real, and so is religion, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that religion seems like it occupies a similar place in their world as it does in ours, where, like, despite what's going on around you, religion believes what religion thinks is happening. Right. You know? Um, possibly despite evidence to the contrary. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, except for... Uh, Again, maybe better safe for the story, but um, <laughs> except for there's de- definitely like direct evidence that whatever the religion is following is a real thing. Yes, but maybe not that it's like that it should be followed. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is, of course, we don't really want. Uh, let's not jump ahead to the name of the game yet, but <laughs> that's what that's about. Yeah. Uh, it's a so you're like you're doing like a save the world plot line, right? Yeah, you, or at least you're doing like. In, like, very classic Dark Souls storyline, everything's already bad, and you have to decide what to do to knock it out of that cycle. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you're sort of just dumped into the game, given a very little bit of, uh, like, exposition, and then set on your quest. Yeah, and everything, everything that's given you, but definitely in the beginning, is very, like, esoteric. Yeah. And very, like, terminology heavy. With a lot of stuff that, like, they're not using words in quite the same way that, we, or like, to to describe concepts that we would recognize right. with those words. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you really feel like you've wandered into <laughs> an alien landscape that has some familiar elements to it, but right. also like things are not the way that they are in our world. Yeah. Which I think is very cool and works really well. Yeah, and and then you you basically experience the world mostly through the eyes of your character. Right. Uh, as you wander around, as you talk to people, as you look at item descriptions, that's kind of how you get. And there's even little cutscenes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. 
So like we said, it's your it's your typical sort of Metroidvania. Uh, you've got you know move left, right, up, down. It's a two-dimensional plane. Right. Jump, uh, attack, jump dodge. attack, dodge. Yeah, you've got a dodge slide, mm -hmm. which maybe doesn't have iframes or has very limited. You can dodge one. some attacks with it. Yeah. You can dodge through guys sometimes. Sometimes. But some guys can also. Some guys you can't dodge through. I'm pretty sure some guys hit you when you're dodging. Mm, so. Okay. And then instead of having a traditional block, you just have a parry. Right. Uh, which has a window in which if the enemy hitbox comes into contact with your hitbox, then it will stagger them and open them for a counterattack. Right. And some enemy moves will... I think you can parry almost everything. Except for maybe some Except boss attacks. Except for a few, yeah, particular things. Yeah. And also, the result of a parry is sometimes you stun them and get to counterattack. Sometimes you just get knocked back and don't take damage. Yeah, that's true. So, like, really strong attacks, mm -hmm. you might just avoid taking damage, basically. Yeah. Um, and there's also a side mechanic to that, which I kind of think, uh, I, I feel like was kind of pushed really heavily in the trailers, but honestly, I didn't come into contact with too much, which is the... Uh, Execution moves. Oh yeah, which is too bad because they're like they're cool special animations. Yeah, but they hardly ever come up. Right. I I could never understand the circumstances under which they're. So it's like you do enough damage to a guy, right. and then he's in his like weakened state, and then you press a button to do a cool little animated. Thing yeah, it's like that. a like a God of War kind of style yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, which is fun, and there's like a. I, I think there's a different one for most enemies. I think there's a different one for every enemy, yeah. Okay. Um, that I can think of. Well, maybe like the little weak, like one-hit kill flying guys, there aren't. Oh, maybe not, because like you can't carry them anyway. But. but yeah, for even like like more enemies than I even expected ended up having an opportunity yeah. for that. Um, let's see. What else about the controls? You can, uh, you can do wall... Like, if you're brushing up against most walls, you can dig your sword into it to stick your place. Yeah. Uh, and you can sort of do wall jumping doing that mechanic. Yeah. Uh, you can hang on to platforms and pull yourself up. You can mantle. Yes. <laughs> Surprisingly well. Yeah. With, like, unparalleled accuracy. Yeah. Really, to the extent <laughs> that sometimes you mantle when you don't even mean right. to. Uh, which I think is a definite improvement. We're going to keep bringing up salt. Right. But, like... <laughs> That was a huge complaint we had about Solid Sanctuary, yeah. and is not a huge complaint about this game. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's mantling. Um, let's see. There's the wall jumping. And then there are a couple of other, like, sort of uh, movement abilities that you get later yeah. on in the game. Yeah. And including a... There's, there's, like, a couple things that I didn't really... Like, did you notice when you're falling down... Oh, so you can fall and down slash on the uh, ground. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can charge your sword and then do yes. a big attack. You can also, when you're, when you're in the air and you're falling down and you hit an enemy, you can jump a little bit oh, like, really? immediately afterwards sometimes. Yeah. Huh. And again, I couldn't really tell. Like, I don't know if that I was a I wonder if that's glitch, a bug. Right? Because or... <laughs> it never seemed like I could use it to do anything. Uh -huh. I just, like, would accidentally do it sometimes. Interesting. And it does have the uh, the classic, like, Metroid, or Castlevania more, I guess, uh, like, slash cancel thing. Yeah. So you can jump, attack, and then duck attack quicker than you could like stand and attack twice on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can slide attack. Mm -hmm. You can also get little side abilities to use. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a ranged attack, 
uh, that uses a little bit of your magic meter, mm-hmm. um, and then you can increase your uh, combo attack and then add a couple different moves to the end of it. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of how it feels to control, I think it controls really well. I thought so, too. Um, there were a couple of times, very rarely, uh, where I feel like I didn't make a jump that I thought I was going to make. Yeah, me too. Um, particularly when, when spikes were involved. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I think it works really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of the interface stuff? Also pretty clean. Good, yeah. I don't really have any complaints about it. Um, it shows you your health. It shows you your uh, MP, um, how many health recovery items you have. Mm-hmm. Um I like that it, um, depending on what, like, magic attack you have um, selected, it'll show you how many times you can cast it in your bar. Yeah, you have, like, a magic bar that's broken up into segments, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, And, you know, it shows you how many souls you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, like, the, I don't know, the pause and equip menu and everything are all very navigable and easily recognizable. Um, There are a couple of times, I think, in the rosary bead menu and maybe in the in the sword heart menu um where instead of like being able to select if your if your rosary is full Mm -hmm. um instead of being able to swap out the last one that's equipped you have to go back to one that's equipped unequip it and then equip something else yeah rather than picking the one you want and then picking the slot you want it yeah yeah but that's like a minor gripe also um there's one of those pieces of equipment. I think it's either the sword hearts or the prayers that can only be changed while you're at a bonfire. Yeah. Um, which seems weird. and Yeah, I couldn't really tell what, what their thought was on that. Yeah. Because you can change pretty much everything anywhere else. Yeah. I don't know if, like, if they're running into, like, exploits that people could do if you switch sword modes. Oh, like, that could be. In the middle of battles or something. Quickly. Boss battles. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but but other than that yeah uh, and actually really on that note why don't we talk about like the RPG equipping ability components before the difficulty okay because that seems like a natural transition yeah uh, so one of the cool things about your sword mm-hmm. is alongside like a very linear damage progression yeah. as you find particular rooms usually you're rewarded with access to the rooms as a result of beating a boss or getting through a tough area, uh-huh. you upgrade your sword to the next damage level. Yes. Which also qualifies you to unlock a new level of abilities in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside that, you can also slot items, particular equipable items, into your sword. Yeah. Which always gives you a nice like benefit, but also a drawback. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you have a, you have a skill tree... Mm-hmm. Uh, that will unlock successively. Um, basically, has different abilities locked at different like sword levels. Once you've unlocked them, you can put your. I don't even remember what they're called. Tears, whatever your yeah. currency is that you're collecting. Right. Um, yeah, they are tears. Yeah. <laughs> In into the into that. Yeah. And that's another thing where, and maybe this is something we'll probably round out around on at the end, but. Um, that's another action that you can only do at those mea culpa uh, right. statues, which is kind of frustrating because I spent most of the game like hauling around massive amounts 
because I didn't want to spend them on anything yeah. or there wasn't anything that I felt like I would use if I unlocked it. Yeah. So. Even once you get to the point where you can traverse levels pretty easily and you have access to the teleporter rooms, you still are pretty far afield most of the time. Yeah. Like, it's tough to make it back to town. Yeah. Uh, there, There is a teleporter right in the, like, semi-hub area. Yeah. Um, which is nice because there is one of those culpa things. But unless you specifically see something you want, like yeah. you kind of don't have a reason to go back and upgrade things. Yeah. And I will say, to an extent, I did kind of wish that there, like that the upgrade abilities felt a little more significant. Yeah. Uh, I think adding access to your like ranged attack was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Adding another step in your attack combo... Maybe not, and like the charge. Did you ever use the charge? I never attack? used the charge no, attack. I was it really excited way about too it. slow. Yeah. Um, uh, in a day, in, in a game where you get like punished so much for taking damage, yeah, you can't afford to just sit there and charge your sword and be right. stuck in place. You definitely can't use it against bosses, which are like probably the best time to use it. Yeah, they're usually too mobile for that to make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only one that I really spent any time upgrading is the. Um, the combo upgrades, because having that extra uh, yeah. slash actually is pretty useful. And then the next tier on that is like an up, like an uppercut slash uh-huh. that you can do out of it. Um, that actually does quite a bit of damage. I noticed that was pretty significant okay. damage on bosses. Nice. Um, so that was useful. And then uh, the ranged attack. That's pretty generally useful. Yeah. Um, what, I, what I ended up really wishing... Well, maybe I'll save that for the, uh, the improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also upgrade your down strike. Yes. Which you actually need to get to some places. Yes. Uh, so that's useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, other than that, you have... Uh, so you've got your rosary right. as your kind of like equipment loadout. Um, as you progress through the game, I think you only start with, what, like three slots? Yeah, something like that. Um, you'll pick up what rosary beads, uh, which are various different items that you can slot in that will right. upgrade your your they're, they're, stats. They're kind of like your your charms, yeah. your Dark Knight or yeah. Hollow Knight. Uh, yeah, you can add more slots. You can equip things into the slots. That's pretty much all there is about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you can also you you have like a special ability that you can equip. Yeah, your your prayer. I right. think it is. Um, which is kind of like a, like an item crush ability. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's usually a big area of effect attack that drains a significant amount of your magic meter. Right. Um, and then also uh, you have, let's see, you have uh, artifacts, mm-hmm. um, which are your like special optional traversal abilities. Right. Which honestly, I don't think you should ever have to equip or yeah. unequip them. I don't know why they're relics. Relics. Because you have a reliquary for it. Right. But yeah, I don't know why you'd only want some of them equipped some. Like, why is that? Yeah. Uh, you can only equip three at a time. Um, and. Usually it's the three that you need to right. traverse things. Well, and oftentimes I would, if. Like, at the end of the game, um, I was going back around and trying to sort of wrap up empty yeah. uh, map squares. And oftentimes, I would go through an area with a certain, like, relic loadout mm-hmm. and then go to a different area and forget I didn't have something equipped. And yeah. I'd be like, wait, wait, what am I supposed right. to do here? <laughs> oh, God, poison hurts me again? What's right. going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of frustrating. And, I, again, like, I don't see the point of having them. Yeah, I don't either. Like, 
in Symphony of the Night, you can also unequip artifacts. Yeah. For no reason. There's no reason to do that. But, <laughs> like, here they actually limit, which is kind of frustrating. Yeah. Odd choice. Um, and then you've got your your refillable healing item, your bile jars. Yes. Um, Bilieri flasks. <laughs> you start out with three or two? Two, maybe? Um a small amount, anyway. Um, I, I very much enjoy the way that you use them, which is to smash, smash it on your face, face and then rub it around. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's very good. Yeah. Um, and just like traditional soul stuff, you can find empty ones yeah. that you can then equip at one location on the map, which is Yeah, unfortunately. Annoying. You don't get to use them uh, immediately. And they restore, I don't know, half a third health. Uh, I mean, it kind of depends on how much health you I have. That's true. At the beginning of the game, I think it does about half, and then it sort of decreases as yeah. your HP bar increases. Uh, and they get refilled at bonfires or whatever. Yeah. Like shrines, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the interesting things that this game adds that's really, like, sorely underutilized is you'll come across uh, uh, blood fountains, I guess, um, essentially. Oh, yeah. Where you can either fill up new bile jars or recover your health and refill your used ones for yeah. a certain amount of uh, tiers, which is super cool. Yeah, I like having and that. And really that useful without having to like reset the level. Right. Yeah, because that is the thing. Like Because of the way this mechanic works, you can't save your progress without also resetting the state of the level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's neat, but they're very few and far between, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I kind of mixed those up for a second. So you're right. The blood fountains are where you can activate new flasks. Yeah. There's a separate character that allows you to add new rosary knots. Yes. That's the one that there's only one of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What else do we have? Skill tree. Um, So um, in terms of special, like, rooms, we've covered Mm -hmm. a couple of these so far. So we've got the blood fountain, which you can do blood file stuff in. Um, you've got um, the ghost lady who will add more knots onto your rosary right. uh, when you pick them up. And usually they're either, like, behind uh, fake walls or yeah. they're, like, uh, NPC quest rewards. Um, there's the sword shrines where you can upgrade your sword abilities or um, increase the power of your sword. Uh, there are teleport rooms. Um, there are like five places you can teleport in the game, and they're kind of all at the like outer edge of yeah. the map. There's like the there's like the center town one, and mm-hmm. then there's one at each sort of four corners, which I think works pretty well. Yeah, um, especially because this the the game the map is fairly well realized in the sense that um, traversal, like backtracking, can be an issue, but like. Traversal, like getting from one spot to another, is never like a hard task no, usually. Not especially, and especially not not especially, and especially not when you uh, <laughs> once you've already been through an area and you have sort of you've slightly upgraded since the last yeah. time you're there. You can usually just sort of run through stuff that gave you trouble before. Yeah, um, there is a map in this game. There is a map. Yay! <laughs> Correct. It's really useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are also the. Uh, the, I don't know, shrine things where the the kneeling statue guy. Oh yeah, the so, oh yeah, the guilt mechanic. We forgot to yeah. talk about that. So um, so in this game, 
its iteration of the like souls leave your stuff behind thing is whenever you die, uh, you leave like a, your guilt mm-hmm. behind, right? Um, and that slowly lowers your MP total. Yeah, and it does it cumulatively. So if you die in three different places, you lose three new right. chunks of your your magic bar. And your ghost stays in those different places, too. Yeah. It doesn't, like, overwrite the previous ghost. Right. Yeah, yeah, You can build them up, unlike other games that we can talk about. <laughs> um, when you recover them, it gives you access to your magic meter again. Yeah. Um, and then also... It seems like oftentimes when I was picking them up in boss fights, it would recover some health. Did you notice that? I noticed it recovers your magic. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't even know if it recovers your magic to the point where it was when it dropped. I think it might just give you some extra. That could be. Um, And then, so you can either pick them up yourself. Mm -hmm. You can go to these special rooms to pay to have your guilt absolved. Which is usually not... I actually never did that. I did it only a couple of times when there were, like, particularly annoying places that I died yeah. or I had just, like, gone in a different direction and couldn't be bothered That's to fair. go back. Um, also, I noticed that, and this must be, like, a like a fail-safe uh, thing that they put in the game, is it, sometimes your uh, guilt ghost would just respawn in the hub town yeah. Um, instead of like being in a place where you technically couldn't, couldn't collect get it. To it. Uh, and sometimes it's not there at all. Sometimes yeah. it just says, well, it's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't feel guilty about that. <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. Yeah. Uh, also, killing a boss absolves yes. your guilt, which yep. is good. And the... So you found the, uh, the guilt-absolving statues. Yes. You can kill them. Yes. Okay. So you can break the guilt-absolving statues, preventing you from using their guilt-absolving ability, but giving you access to a waves of enemy challenge Yeah, a little arena. like combat arena um, that is that furthers you towards uh, the quote-unquote true ending or right. best ending. And also gives you cool little rewards. Yeah, you, yeah, you oftentimes get uh, like rosary knots or uh, interesting little things out of it. Yeah. Um, there is, did you, did you, it took me a really long time, I should finish a sentence. Okay. <laughs> uh, the candles, did you end yeah. up figuring out how those worked? I, I mean, I stumbled across them, but I'm not really <laughs> sure. I, I realized that at some point I could start extinguishing candles yeah. and lighting candles, and you had to do so in some sort of sequence and to get candles to drop ever bigger balls of wax, uh-huh. which you could equip as rosary beads. I'm not sure what the rules were about that, though. So I think the way that it works... Um, so you'll run into red and blue candles that mm-hmm. are kind of randomly positioned around the, ma- the map. Um, at one point, you'll be able to blow out one. I think it's either the biggest or the smallest candle. Oh, okay. And they're different sizes each time, so it go- either goes like bigger to smaller right. or smaller to bigger. Okay. And as you do that, the item that you get from it increases in power. Right. Which is kind of cool. Um, which is... The red uh, lump of wax, which uh, increases your HP total, and then the blue one, which increases your magic total. It's appropriate. Um, there are a couple of weird little uh, collectible things. Um, so you can pick up uh, pieces of people. Uh, these oh, yeah. are these are specifically Kickstarter backer rewards. I figured rewards. that was the case. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I didn't back at that level, so I don't know how like detailed or how. Like, how much input they got on that. Yeah. Uh, but that's what that is. Okay. 
I did notice there's a room that mentions three, because they're all like bones. They're yeah. all specific, like human body bones. And I found a room that mentions three different bones. Yeah. Uh, that I, I only had two of the three. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to see what happened there, but I assume there's a... There's a couple of um, puzzle rooms, which yeah. is kind of an interesting thing yeah. that you don't really see in Metroidvania. Well, except for maybe like the Game Boy Advance and like mobile Castlevanias. Yeah. Well, and I even like Hollow Knight a little bit. Yeah. Like, Symphony of the Night. Okay, yeah, fine. No. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a little anyway, bit of a thing. Uh, but yeah, there are a couple of different puzzle rooms. Um, there's those, and then there's the um, cherubs that you can save. Oh, yeah, that's right. That are kind of just like hanging like out. Grubs. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. They're just sort of like optional objectives um, that do actually give you like pretty significant bonus yeah. for saving them. Yeah, and you... So did you finally get, to, like, the payoff for that? Yeah. Yeah, which is it's really cool. so cool. cool. <laughs> uh, you find a giant painting of, like, a rampant bull. Yeah. And then you can go inside to the bull world, and if you've saved enough cherubs, you get something. The bull, like, splits open, and, like, out of it is born, oh, like, the leader right. of the cherubs. Yeah. Um, and he gives you a, like, golden thread or golden cord that allows you to drop in between map sections without taking damage. Right. uh, Which unlocks some areas that you couldn't have previously gone. Yeah. Which is a, like a weirdly sort of esoteric approach to navigating the map. Yeah. But it's kind of a cool idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what about the, do you have anything else on that or should we do difficulty? Uh, let's, well, do you want to... Do you want to hit NPCs while we're here, or do you want to do NPCs in the story? We can do that for the story. Okay. Um, yeah, we can do difficulty then. Okay. It was not too difficult. It's not. Uh, I mean, it does have difficulty spikes occasionally. Yes. There's definitely parts that are frustrating that you sort of have to do a few times. Yeah. Um, I feel like it did a really good job of giving you a clear sense of, like, you can't do this yet versus, like, Keep trying and you'll get it. Yeah. Which I appreciate. And also, actually, like, as I was playing it, I'm really struck by um, how, like, non-essential almost everything in the game is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't really know. Like, most games, so, like, with most Metroidvanias, like, we were talking about, like, your traversal abilities are ways of unlocking, like, where you need to go next. Right. And in this game, really all you have to do is beat the three required bosses to unlock the door to the last, like, two or three stages and yeah. then finish the game. It seems like it would be pretty speedrunnable in that yes. sense. Um, you wouldn't be, like, it might be harder that way, but it is kind of amazing how balanced it is for you to be kind of weaker instead of... Yeah. Balanced on the other end of the curve. Yeah. Well, because, like, again, sort of like Souls-like sort of games, if you know how to be good about dodging the enemies and playing very, like, safely and conservatively, then you can really get away with not taking any damage. Yeah, that's true. Especially, yeah, if you've got good, like, reflexes with your parry timing. Yeah. Uh, that, that'll carry you really far. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I didn't... I didn't feel like I wanted it to be harder. No. It definitely got pretty easy at the end. Like, the last part of it, I felt like I was pretty on top of things. Yeah. And that could have been partially just because of, like, 
the power level that I <laughs> but also just like I was I was like well ramped up enough and like yeah. practiced enough that I kind of knew how to go through the process. Yeah, I think the only boss that really gave me a, well, there's two of them. The only boss that really gave me a lot of trouble was uh, uh, what is it, Esposito? Yeah, uh, of Child of the Abjured. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's only because his like damage target is really erratic. Yeah. Um, it's like a worm that moves around the screen. And yeah, that's to, right. It is that boss archetype. Yeah. Um, so that is difficult for, like, the the vocabulary that you have. Right. Um, and then the last boss, um, his final form, yeah. took me a while to get through just because some of his attacks do, like, absolutely ridiculous of amounts of damage. And yeah. it is one of those things where, like, you kind of need perfect uh dodging otherwise like if you get hit by one thing it'll knock you into the next projectile knock right. you into the next projectile and right. then you're dead yes um but other than that i feel like none of the bosses took me maybe more than two three tries yeah i agree if, with that yeah some ones i was surprised to get on the first try yeah be like oh i see what's going on here uh-huh uh and I don't know where exactly in this process to talk about them, but the bosses are great. so cool. Like cool, really cool <laughs> set pieces that are really well designed and are a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we can maybe talk about that during the art design. Okay. But yeah, but yeah everything, just take it, take it as given that <laughs> everything in this game is incredibly good looking. Yeah. I don't, like, yeah. So, so designed to a T. Mm-hmm. Story. Yeah. So what's this? Let's, let's talk about the story. Uh. I, I don't know. I, the, uh, let's see. The, do you know the story? I mean, kind of. Something happened. So, well, I mean, you know what happened. There was a boy. There was a boy. There was a boy. He, he felt overwhelmingly guilty about something. Something. Maybe nothing. But he, he felt intrinsically very guilty uh-huh. about the things, the, the way he had lived his life, the things he had done. Yeah. Um, so he prayed to the miracle to alleviate his guilt. Right. Um, and or... The, the miracle was the alleviation right, of his guilt. So, right. So, so he prayed to, like, the heavenly host. Or There's, like, a weird yeah. separation of, like, the miracle is a separate thing, and then there's something above it that maybe created the miracle. Yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway. The... So... <laughs> so the miracle's like, here's, here's what's gonna happen. Uh, you turn into a tree. Right. And you then, don't like, feel guilty anymore. Right. You also, like, your sap is, like, weird liquid gold now. Right. And um. you are basically the ruin of your entire world now. Right. 
Um, so <laughs> is this better? <laughs> so the the really cool and interesting thing that this game does, kind of like what you were talking about in the beginning, is it takes things and ideas that we are familiar with, like culturally, yeah, and uses them in a way that is either completely opposite or different from what we're used yeah. to. Yeah. So the miracle in this in this world is actually mostly a force for evil. Or right. it's, it's a curse. It's, it's yeah, it's unpredictable. It's like a monkey's paw, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you wish for... That's true. You wish for, you know, to end your suffering, and it makes you live forever, um, you know, right. constantly... Right, like, so that you have an eternity pain. to learn how to deal with suffering <laughs> instead. Right, you know? yeah. Or it makes you a new tree, so it's impossible for you to suffer anymore. Um, so, once the miracle came to Svistonia, um, it started affecting sort of the different... their, like, various, uh, like, religious sects that spring up to follow it that kind of presented very like orthodox catholic yeah uh you know your your existence on earth is inherently sinful right and you have to spend your entire life like making up for that yes um depending on if you do a good or bad job of that um the miracle might do good or bad things to you right um and you see that sort of manifest not only in almost every boss that you run into which i think is really cool but just in the way that the different like, like enemies and like cultures are around mm-hmm. the maps, um, right. at some point, um, His Holiness uh, Escobar uh-huh. um, becomes the head of the church, the the main church um, yeah. in Sestonia, um, and he becomes. Um, the son of the miracle somehow. Yes. Um, the uh, <laughs> something something something. The 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 original tree that was the product of the first miracle burns, um, and creates a giant pile of ash. Yeah. Um, that uh, Escobar's throne um, is on. He symbolically turns it away from the rest of the world mm-hmm. uh, because he has turned his back on his people. Right. Um, he can't do anything about the miracle, but he still clings to the vestiges of his power. Right. Um, at some point, um, the, there's a, there's a, a divergent sect, um, which is the Brotherhood of the Silent, Silent Vow, uh, Silent Sorrow, mm-hmm. uh, whose concept is that they take a vow of silence to contemplate the silence of God. Hmm. Um, and that's where your main character comes from. Right. Um, and there is in fact a silent a, protagonist. Yes. Uh, because of that. Yeah. He is a penitent one. Penitent one. Often, often penitent one in silence. That's right. <laughs> um, and because of their sort of heretical status with the main church, um, you are given a sword that was probably created by the miracle specifically to kill Escobar mm. and kind of set on your quest. Mm. Um, throughout it, you're aided by your friend, uh, Deo Gracias. That's right. 
who's giant. He's a it's a giant of a man. Yes, he's like three times taller. Um, he loves holding scrolls. Uh-huh. Um, and he's got a pointy mask, uh, but he also has a weird like twisty wicker basket face. Uh-huh. And he gives basically exposition, lays out plot transition things. Yeah, he often pops up after bosses. Yeah. Um, or like when you go through plot important areas, he'll yeah. say things. Uh, he pops up by the, um, the the tree to tell you about the tree. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. He's sort of the, he's the bard storyteller. Yeah. Sort of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deo gracias means uh, thank, God's thank grace. God. Thank God. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank God. God's grace. <laughs> Latin for thanks be to God. Okay. Deo gracias. Like, like gracias. Yeah. Spanish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a romance language. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's basically, like, that's the overarching story. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of individual plot story, or like, not plot important stories that are happening or you can come across in the world. Yeah, you stumble across little smaller stories that you can take a part in if you wish. Yeah. yeah. Um, there are NPC, like, side quests. Um, and also, oftentimes, in in boss areas, like the rosary beads you'll pick up around them, or, uh, like, the item you get from them will will give you a little bit of uh, more background yeah. on who they are as a person. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Are there any, uh, like, NPC stories that you particularly liked? Um, the guy, uh... The guy that, like, walks everywhere yeah. and, like, has his beard all knotted up or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, his, his deal's kind of fun. So, again, like, in the way that this, this game takes everything and makes, make, like, things that we think of, like, symbology-wise or, like, ideas that we connect to, like, Christian iconography. So his, his order... Is is like the order of the genuflecting pilgrims. Yeah. So they, their arms are bound behind their back, and they wear an, a weight on their necks. Yeah. And they go on a pilgrimage. That's yeah. that's their whole deal. Right. Barefoot. Barefoot. It's important to be barefoot. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and you'll kind of run into him as you go through the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little bit like. Uh, He's like a Siegmeier character from Dark Souls, where yeah. he'll he'll pop up yeah. in a space. He'll be like, "Oh, I'm stuck here. What do we do?" Yeah, penitent one. I am <laughs> once again wailing in my journey. If only there was some way that I could get through. <laughs> and then you fix it for him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so happy. Right? I have oh. this thing. <laughs> the gods blessed us." <laughs> yeah, um, he's pretty cool. Um, like anytime you get a little background info on the different like sex and like groups I'm like way into that yeah that's really interesting <laughs> like um in the hub town that you come to uh the the first thing that you'll run into is uh let's see um the you'll find the like order of people whose whose devotion is like they kiss wounds yeah. to heal them yeah um and you have to bring them back very like various medicinal herbs things yeah but like Again, that that's a concept that, like, has a... Like, you can see the painting of it, right? Right. Except in this game, it's a real thing. Like, yeah. these people, like, kiss wounds and heal them. Yeah. And again, like, 
you're not really sure if the kissing part is actually important in the healing process or if that's just or if part it's of just their, like, like ritual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that, you know, who knows if the guy, why, like if barefoot is really important like, or if anything's really happening or if that's just the thing that uh-huh. he does in his sect. Um, did you find the guy that's uh, devoted to the, like, Our Lady of Eternal Torture? Yes. Um, were you, did you free her from her pain? I did. And I prevented, I talked him into not jumping off the cliff. Oh, that's cliff, good. And he made it back to town. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so you find him, he's like, you know, I. he used to be part of another group, but once he heard about, like, this miracle, um, which is this woman who can't die and apparently decides to self-inflict pain upon herself, like, to take it from other people. Yeah. Uh, because she can't die. Yeah. Um, he devotes herself to himself to her... You find some sort of, like, quest item that will absolve her. Yeah, or, like, her. a collection of them, maybe? Yeah. Is it just one? Uh, anyway, yeah, it's it's a find and bring back quest. But once you do that, like, he's, he's you know, has this existential crisis. Right. Like, my whole life was going to be devoted to this woman. Yeah, what do I do now? Yeah, you just alleviated their, her suffering, <laughs> and that's what she's defined by, yeah. Um, and, yeah, you, you later come across him, and he's, like, standing on the top of the... Uh, Arch Cathedral roofs. Yeah. Um, and he's cont- contemplating suicide. Um, so one way that quest can end is he does commit suicide. Uh, but do you remember how you talk him down? No. Okay. Oh, wait. Um, his old order is in the town. Oh, okay. So you bring a token to him from the guy that's hiding in the church. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then that reminds him to go back to the... Like, because... He basically thinks that he's gone so far astray that he can't go back. Oh, okay. So that sort of reminds him that people are still willing to accept him there, and he goes back. Uh-huh. Something like that, I think. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there's also, did you find the, um, the like, deity that's hiding in the fountain outside of town? Yeah. <laughs> so, that was pretty interesting. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, there's, like, a... Like a like an extra dimensional god essentially. Yeah. Who's who's hiding in a pocket dimension. Yeah. Um he's maybe keeping the people in the town safe from the miracle. Maybe. Um but yeah, if you bring him things he'll like purify them. For yeah, you. he has some sort of purifying power and he's just basically like a big marble statue yeah. that you can talk to. And I I wondered cuz his name is he's like the gall the god of the salty shores. Oh. And I wondered if that was maybe a uh, Salt and Sanctuary reference. Maybe so. Because there's definitely uh, a rosary bead that's um, like an undying ember or something. Oh, oh that's, yeah, that's right. Uh, definition is like the, the ember from a bonfire, you know, revered in a faraway land. Yeah. <laughs> Pursuit of like 
I didn't feel like it was like the main story that's happening in the game is like the main focus of the game necessarily. No. Like I do think that the gameplay, like mechanically getting through the game is much more important than learning the story. But having those bits of story there and having all the character interactions and the lore descriptions and everything are just really good set dressing. Yeah. Like they all make the, the world feel more fully fleshed out and kind of maintain that atmosphere that the whole thing takes place in. And they're all in keeping with, like, the theming of the world. Yeah. So, like, uh, one of the bosses you fight is um, Our Lady of the Charred Visage. Yeah, that's right. um, Who, at this point, is just, like, a face and a, like, killer hand. Yes. But, like, her (laughs) story is she used to be a woman who was so beautiful that people thought she was like a symbol of divinity. Mm-hmm. So to, but you know, of course that would be heresy. Right. So she splashed her face with burning hot oil yeah. to, to disfigure herself. And then the, the miracle preserved her. Yes. Through that. Yes. Um, that's all like, that's, that's classic like saint stuff. Yeah, totally. You know? Um, yeah. There's the weird, oh my gosh, the weird, um, Hair egg lady? Ladies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so their deal is, like, there are three sisters that were supposed to be married, um, and they didn't want to get married, so they prayed to the miracle to uh, save them, and its response was to wrap them in a giant ball of hair. Yes. Um, and then once you, like, find the... There are, like, three items that are each associated with one of the sisters and you bring them back and offer them to them yeah then it like the hair egg goes away and it's a big weird like three-headed like four-armed yeah sort of like monster (laughs) but it but it has like a very like biblical look to it yeah and then that eventually gives you another item that like something does it give you like an egg yeah that you have to, that like incubates under certain circumstances. You have to bring it to the tree. Yeah. It's a whole series of like, bring this thing to that thing and then wait and then come back and do this other thing. And eventually it ends up being, I don't remember I think, what the I think it's a rosary is. knot. Oh, okay. Um, but just like, there's, there's a, there's a, like, like a certain amount of like faith and conviction in the like, like, design and like art direction of the game yeah that it's just such a weird thing you know same thing with the baby that comes out of the bowl like yeah what yeah it's all very like unsettling yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) disquieting um so as your character um goes through he has to um consult the three visages Mm -hmm. um which gives him passage to um, the final cathedral, the final area. cathedral, uh, which lets you confront Archbishop Escobar. Right. Um, you kill him. He, of course, has a second form. Um, the The standard ending is that you try to climb the the mountain of ash, but your guilt weighs you down. Right. And you sink to the bottom. Right. And then uh, Deo Gracias. Uh, like dumps you in the pile of dead bodies, right? Which and you saw at the beginning of the assumedly game. Assumedly, spawns a new one. Yeah, cycle like, oh, repeats. Right, um, but if you are so, um, you'll find uh, I think it's called like a pure white stone or something. Uh-huh. Um, pretty early on in the game, if you go back to the beginning area, I think it's in 
in front of one of the first, uh, like, confessor statues that you find. Yeah. Um, then if you die while you're holding that, it'll corrupt it. Um, and then if you go through those different um, uh, confessor statue, like, arena trials, it'll sort of mature it mm-hmm. um, to the point where it somehow alleviates your guilt and you're able to take the throne. Yeah. Which I didn't get all the way to that point, did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I the, I realized sort of like two-thirds of the way through the game that that was a process, and <laughs> I just didn't really feel like going back to be completionist about it. But Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's not a significantly longer cutscene than the ending cutscene, oh, yeah. so <laughs> it's not a big deal. Gotcha. Uh, but one, one thing that's kind of interesting is um, one of the penultimate fights is against... Um, uh, another penitent who looks very similar to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the game, at, at the end of the true um, ending, you put the sword back in yourself. Oh, okay. Um, which I've heard a lot of uh, theorists essentially believe uh, was you sealing the miracle away. Oh, okay. um, but the end, the true ending has her pulling it out of you. Oh. So maybe setting up for a DLC oh. or a sequel. Gotcha. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the story is cool. Yeah. It is, it, it is exactly what, like, Souls games stories yes. are. Yeah, Which is, sure. like, really cool... Like a like a set of really cool short stories that you can read if you want to read them. Right. But if you don't, that's okay, too. Yeah. It can just be sort of weird and esoteric. Yeah. And like the art, it contributes perfectly yeah. to the overall sort of look and feel of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. things that like you know games i don't think the games have to look beautiful right. to be good games but this game does look beautiful it looks so good <laughs> it's i mean so it takes a what i would call maybe like a super nintendo aesthetic or yeah. like a like a playstation error pixelated yeah. aesthetic um, I would say so. but with obviously like modern frame rates and abilities to render right um like we said um pulling heavy influence from, like, Catholic iconography and those uh, Goya paintings. Right, very gothic. Yeah. Um, lots of, like, faces, like, women statues weeping. And, yeah. Uh, um, sort of gory stuff, misshapen, grotesque stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things that um, they do as sort of a as a like visual motif is things associated with the uh, the miracle are often also either gold or mm-hmm. like rooted. Yeah. So a lot of the bosses you'll fight have like sort of swaths of gold on them, mm-hmm. or um, or will have like weird uh, like tree elements. Right. Yeah. The because the tree and the, the gold being like the sap, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like the main. 
visual elements of the miracle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, lots of, yeah, like, you know, chubby cherubic babies <laughs> and, like, you know, skeleton death head type things. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I thought was pretty cool is um, they do do a little bit of enemy reusing, but when they're... So, usually it's in the in the style of you fought an easier version of this earlier on in the game, right. and now this is a harder version of it later right. on. Yeah, like which a... I, categories of enemies kind of yeah um which i think is a good approach yeah like you'll find uh like skeletons with the can candle holders that use them as a spear oh, yeah, that's right. um early on and then you'll find like sort of fleshy versions of those guys yeah. later in the game yeah or there's a couple of different versions of the um ghosts that shoot lasers right yeah i like the little flying guys that sometimes just fly and sometimes fly and shoot fireballs yeah and they even do just a little bit of, like, reusing. I guess they just reuse bosses once. So there's yes. the jumpy guy you fight first thing, and then eventually you fight two jumpy guys. Yeah. But at that point, like, it's really not even uh. an issue. And that whole area is so cool because it's all done in silhouette. Yeah. So there's a section where you're moving across the top of a wall, I think it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, and all of the foreground is in silhouette, so your character and then the two enemies that pop up, but the background is sort of like the countryside behind yeah. you. Yeah, and everything's just really shadows in the foreground. Um, one thing that this game does an excellent job of um, is having visually distinct areas. Yeah, I agree. Um, the e- Even though a lot of areas are like interiors, they still manage to make everything visually distinct. Yeah, the kinds of enemies that you run into, the kind like the ways that the terrain is laid out, yeah. the obstacles that you encounter, mm-hmm. even kind of like color schemey type stuff. Yeah. Like everything has a very distinct theme to it that's yeah. very recognizable. Um, I think there's a little bit of music overlapping, um, but that's yeah. not as much of an issue. Right, uh, which we can talk about during the, the audio section mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I did, you know, some of the enemy design kind of reminded me of Eight Eyes. Oh. You know, in the way that, like, a lot of those sort of look like classical depictions of, like, knights yeah. and, like, uh, um, Roman, like, gladiator-type guys, yeah. you know? Like, it, it felt, probably because the art in that game is also sort of classically inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a few times where I ran into guys and I was like, oh, like, this could have been like, <laughs> a cool little upgraded Eight Eyes guy. Well, or I love just, like... The like the people that are the people that are hauling around like whole coffin lids as shields. Yeah. Um, and and since we're working with like such detailed pixel art, the sprite is big enough that you can tell what they're holding. Yeah. And then their shield sprite is big enough that you can actually tell like it's a you know elaborate engraved like lid. Yeah. You can actually see that level of definition. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. There's like there's not a pixel out of place. Yeah. Like everything is expertly crafted. And even though I think a lot of backgrounds for individual um, like stages unless they're set pieces are reused. Yeah. Like it doesn't ever get repetitive. No. It never, did never feel like, oh, why am I back here? Like, right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really, I don't have any complaints about the way it looked at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Especially, like, it's such, it seems like it's the right payoff from that sort of initial trailer, 
which does such a good job of establishing like this is the art direction, right? And then the game comes out and it's like, oh yeah, this is this is exactly what you promised. Yeah, <laughs> this is exactly the art that I wanted. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite boss? Oh, uh, it was the guy in a coffin with all the little hands. Yes, that was the best. He's so cool. <laughs> um, the like exhumed archbishop or whatever. Yeah, and he has a really cool battle mechanic. So yeah, he's he's like a big luxuriating skeleton. Um, he shoots like laser beams out of his staff or yeah. pattern, patterns of fireballs, but um, he's being sort of hoisted up by hands. Yeah. Um, so you have to knock down the hands. It's almost like like he's like he's crowd surfing. Yeah. On a bunch of hands yeah, that are yeah, holding yeah. him up. Um, and then you can damage his head. Right. And as you knock down the hands, they become free to do other attacks. Right. They'll so kind of like, like a, reach up and like try and slap you. Yeah. You get kind of like an ebb and flow mechanic where you have to knock down enough hands to be able to hit him, but then you have to deal with new attacks from the knockdown hands until the hands finally pick him back up again uh-huh. and then you have to knock him down again. You know? Yeah. Uh, which what's, what was your favorite? He was definitely high up. Um... Even though I had a hard time with it, uh, like Exposito mm-hmm. is a really cool looking boss. Yeah. So it's a it's like a baby who's blind, yeah. like a big, like a big baby, a giant baby. He's a big boy. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he's blindfolded and crying blood. Uh-huh. Of course, um, he's being cradled by like a like a weird like a wicker wicker figure. Yeah. Um, with a big long like tail snaky thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the thing that you actually fight. Yeah. Uh, but the baby is, like, in the background the whole time. Yeah. And he'll come out to do, like, an insta-kill, uh, like, throw move. Right. Where he, like, reaches out and, like, pulls you apart like you're a doll. Yeah. Very cool. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, so those those two are probably my favorite visually. Yeah, definitely. Um. Did you have a hard time with the um, the brother and sister duo? Only the last fight. Okay. Uh, what? I think the uh, the sister. I feel like I got pretty lucky, actually. Uh-huh. Like that fight was just over real quick for me. Uh, actually, maybe did I? Does she the lightning one? Does she primarily do lightning attacks? She's the one that's like flying around and does like the. The jump in the air and like zoom across, oh, and she yeah, does yeah. lightning attacks. I think, yeah. Okay, because I think at that point I had one of the rosary beads that oh, reduced yeah. lightning, which helped a lot with that. Uh huh. But you have to fight the brother on your way to fight the last boss, right? You fight him a couple of times. So you fight the sister, and then the sister and the brother, and then the brother again. Yeah. And then there's like a generic enemy that's similar to him right. that pops up. That like. Really, you just have to learn the pattern. Yeah. Once you get the pattern down and you, you know that you can counter in certain areas, it gets a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. He's one that I had a lot of trouble with, mostly because I felt like there was something weird going on with his hitboxes or like when he was vulnerable or invulnerable uh-huh. or like what attacking him while he was in a certain state meant. Yeah. Um but basically, once I realized that the only time it was safe to attack him was, like, specifically with parry counters. Right. That... Or if he was at the end of his, like, like one of his dashing or spinning moves or whatever, yeah. you could jump around behind him and hit him a bunch while yeah. you're waiting. Uh, but, yeah, you just had to, you kind of just had to be patient for mm-hmm. him, I think. 
Um, and then the, I think the, um, I forget what her name is, but the, the penultimate boss is actually a really cool fight because you, that's the one that looks like you. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, because she has a very similar move set to you, so right. it's fun, um, you know, being able to, it's like a doppelganger fight, you know. Right, which is um, pretty cool. And it's, it's neat to, like, have a character, especially, like, that, that has your parry abilities or that uh-huh. you can parry. Or... Yeah, that you can, and you can, can't you do, like, back and forth yeah. parries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parry, parry, parry. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, do, do you feel like the first Escobar form is Dracula? Um, uh, Not really. I don't know. I mean, he does teleport back and forth across the screen and then do Shoot sort of magical like projectile attacks. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's a good point. Including variations where you have to like duck or jump. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't actually uh, make that connection. Yeah, he definitely point. felt very like old school Dracula right. in the first form. Well, and I mean, really, for that matter, the second form could be like statue Dracula from the. Th- what the third game? Oh, right? the one where he's a floating head. No, the one where he's like a bird statue in the background. Oh, the and he shoots uh, lasers. lasers out of size. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, hmm, that one's that one's pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, now I like how that one in that battle he introduces you to his magic attacks in the first round. Yeah. And then in the second round he still uses them, but they're better or you know, slightly different. Right. And it, it again has that sort of like you have to beat up on another target yeah. before his vulnerable right. bit. Yeah, there's a whole cycle to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sort of familiar. Yeah, sort of familiar. <laughs> um, anyway, all, is that, all of that is to say that everything looks really good. It looks really good. And I will say that the level design does a pretty good job of communicating everything you need to know. Like, yes. you can tell... You can do a really good job of eyeballing, like, oh, I can make that jump, or that's way too far. Right. Uh, you can usually... Um, you know, things that look like they're dangerous to you usually end up being dangerous. Uh-huh. If it looks safe, it's usually safe. Yeah. There's not a lot of, like, gotcha moments. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any sort of, like you sprung a trap on yourself kind of stuff. I think so either. Um, the only, like like we were saying in the beginning, the only time that I really felt like the platforming was a little bit wonky was when uh, spikes were involved. Yeah. And I think that's only because there's so much at stake. Because that, yeah. spikes automatically kill you. Unfortunately. Uh, that's definitely something that doesn't need to happen. No. No. Also, I, I feel like maybe some of the, um, the like, hitboxes or, like, where it considers to be safe ground and where it considers to be spikes might be a little bit off. Yeah. Sometimes where to stick your sword in the walls felt like like I should have pressed the button at the right time, but for some reason it, it hmm. didn't stick. I didn't have any issue too. with that. Okay. Um, and those areas are all, like, marked out, too. Yes, They're a different pretty, texture. pretty clearly communicated. Um, I feel like enemy attack patterns were really obvious. Like, yeah. after you watch them for a couple of times, you could get the gist of it. Yeah, I would say so. Um, bosses are the same way, too. Yeah. They're, I don't think there are any particularly, like, complex box bosses, but no. I think that's okay. Yeah, I think so, too. Because it allows you to 
do the thing that Souls games usually want you to do, which is try a couple of times, obtain mastery, and then move on. Yes. Yeah. And I think it does that really eloquently with a more simplified move set for the bosses. Yeah. Yeah. There wa- I mean, because, like, some other games have bosses who have maybe, like, 10 or 12 yeah. different things they can do. And I feel like it was, like, maybe half that, if that. Yeah, like, four or five, maybe. Yeah. Um, how does... What, what about audio? Uh, well, the music was composed by Carlos Viola. And it's good. It is. I like it. Uh, fun fact about him, all of his stuff is, like, sent is sequenced. Oh, really? But it sounds really good. Huh. Yeah, I would have never known that. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Tristram theme. It from does. Diablo. It's because it's the Spanish guitar. Right. Like, it's so distinct it's... and it's so heavily associated with Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> too far from that. No. Uh, I do think that in this case, so okay, so there's definitely songs that I can still hum from Super Metroid and from mm-hmm. Castlevania Symphony Night. Not so much from like Hollow Knight. Yeah. And not so much from like Dark Souls necessarily. Right. Uh, so this in kind of the same way, like the music was perfectly fitting everywhere, but it was kind of background. Like there weren't True. a lot of like catchy t- tunes to it. Yeah. Uh, it was more about the ambiance or, you know, the atmosphere that it created yeah. than about, like, playing you a nice song to whistle along to, you know? True. Uh, which is... really didn't... I mean, that I don't think that hurts the game at all. It's, right. Maybe it's a little bit of a missed opportunity, but also, I don't know, like, it... That feels like that's a very... That's a more Souls sort of a uh, aspect of it. Yeah, and, and again, in the way that this is... Everything in this game is so, like, tuned towards creating, like, an aesthetic. Yeah. That is very fitting within that aesthetic in a way that maybe if the music was a little bit more catchy, it would yeah. feel more out of place. Yeah, I think that's that's entirely possible. Um, and you can, the, the soundtrack is on Spotify. Yeah. And, like, I'd probably listen to it. Yeah, I would say I, I actually have listened to it. <laughs> yeah. It's nice background music. I uh-huh. Mean, it definitely, it you know, even without the rest of the art direction and the gameplay with it, it still sort of creates that same sort of, uh, I don't know, it still feels the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a particular... Uh, 
track that you liked? No. There's there's one that was like that did a really it was like it's not the main town or like the area right after the town has mm-hmm. sort of that iconic Spanish guitar, but there's another one that was called Arpeggios and Ochre. did such a good job of being like yes like decadent but ruined sort of a landscape brooding uh-huh. like not even I wrote down it's not it's not so much lively as like animated yeah you know like this is things are still moving but like it's a very dark bleak broken rundown sort of a uh-huh. yeah oh man I forgot I was gonna write down some of the uh, location names oh yeah because those are so good too uh-huh like you know you've got the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrows that's you know, your starting position. Right. You've got, what is the, the, like, valley of, like, the valley where no olive trees grow or yeah. something like that? Yeah. Um, just, like, these, these you know, sort of evocative. Yeah. Like, uh, kind of, like, in the same way that uh, the room names in Vagrant Vagrant Story story, yeah, feel like the one thing's, uh, like, story prompts. Yeah, totally. Has that sort of... <laughs> Like the um, the cathedral is you know called Mother of Mothers. Uh-huh. Um, there's the I don't know I can't think of any other ones, but yeah, they're really good. Those are always pretty good. Um, how do you feel about the voice acting? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone seemed like they knew what they were saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was interestingly um, diverse too. Like yeah. I wasn't. I don't know. I guess I kind of expect like voice like accents to be kind of homogenized in a single project yeah uh but the there was a lot of times when like you know there would be a person with an english accent a person with a french accent you know and like it's fine yeah i don't have any complaints about voice acting Uh, but all the lines are like sort of delivered in that uh sort of like serious but Sort of like, like theatrical, yeah. poetic kind of a, yeah, like like they're delivered on a stage, yeah. Kind of. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which Castlevania had that too, even though it had some sort of uh, <laughs> issues. Maybe maybe too theatrical. Yes, <laughs> um, but you know, like you think of uh, like Dark Souls, a lot of the yeah. um, voice acting in those games are kind of similar. Yeah, and I think that that is one of those cases where good voice acting you don't notice. Right. Like it just right. seems like it fits perfectly, it gets out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
It is exactly what it needed to be. Do you have anything else before we uh, get to the evaluation wrap-up? I think uh, I think we're there. All right. We're at the This is a really good game. Yeah, I I'm love really it. happy about it. Uh, <laughs> this is a very solid decision on your part. Yeah. And a good, good Kickstarter backing. Yeah, I'm very happy with this. What would you say was particularly, like, standout? Like, what does this game bring to the genre? You know, that's the kind of interesting thing about this game, is it... I don't think it actually does anything revolutionary. Right. But but the the feeling of playing it and the amount of joy I get out of the theming <laughs> yeah. means that I don't care about that. Like, yeah. I don't need it to be... It doesn't have to be revolutionary. Right. It um, can just be a really good incarnation of this particular kind of game in this particular setting. Yeah, and I think it does, you know, it does souls better than... Salt and Sanctuary did. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I have a theory about that. Um, okay. And it is this. Um, so their first two games, right, deals with um, Cthulhu, mm-hmm. Lovecraft mythology. Which, just slight interjection, uh, Carlos Viola also did the music for those Oh, cool. Games. Um, this game doesn't, but it treats its deities like that. Like Lovecraft's existential cosmic horror kind right. of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So that um, your the miracle is almost like this sort of unknowable, yeah. like chaotic thing that kind of seems to like curse and punish and, and disfigure people yeah. as it sees fit. Yeah, um, almost like, like a force of nature. Right. Um, when you come across... You know the bosses. They're they're these weird sort of larger than life. Don't almost seem like they fit in yeah. the world that they exist. Kind of entities. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's a very smart observation. Where where Salt and Sanctuary is very grounded in its own world. Mm-hmm. This game is not, and in fact, the fact that it takes these things that we're familiar with, these concepts. Yeah. Of you know popular sort of Catholic iconography mm-hmm. um, and things like miracles and prayers right. and rosary beads and and all of that right. and uses it in a way that is completely alien. Yeah, um, I think it evokes the same feeling that Miyazaki tried to evoke in his storytelling, which is mm. the idea of the the storytelling being much. Like, you know, the idea of him as a kid looking at picture books and not under English books and not understanding right. the words, but, you right. know, identifying with the pictures and having having those sort of like set set piece moments. Mm-hmm. I think this game gets 100 percent better. Yeah, in- absolutely. instead of it being just like, oh, this was a story, but we decided to tell it vaguely. Right. Like everything is really pretty fully formed in the game. Yeah. Um, it's just a lot more about its visual storytelling than it is about, you know, the actual game storytelling. Right. Yeah. What Everything that it communicates to you is more of like a feeling or an atmosphere. Yeah. And less of like an explicit word by word, this happened and that happened, like history. Right. Yeah. I think that's that's a very good observation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as a person who, like, appreciates classical art and, like, 
Christian iconography without really knowing a lot of like like Orthodox Catholic right. I don't know. Mythology seems like the wrong word, but you know, (laughs) Uh, like stuff that's in the uh, apocrypha and stuff like that. Um, Say mysticism. Yeah, yeah. The more the more mystical element of it. Like I'm I'm familiar with the imagery without knowing the background, Mm -hmm. which I think is very effective in the way that they use it. Yeah, I think so. Well, and I think that it's a it's it's a good it's a uh, what's what's the right way to say it's like. I think a lot of times when people talk about like horror movies or horror settings, they think of horror as just a synonym for fear. Yeah. But without thinking of it being sort of like a deeper like like revulsion at seeing sort of like safe, comfortable, normal, expected things subverted and twisted mm-hmm. in ways that suddenly mean that like this thing that you thought was safe is now absolutely no longer safe. Yeah. And like this thing that's dangerous comes to you in the guise of something that should be safe. Like, th- right. those kind of sort of, like, betrayals yeah. uh, are... I really I really value having that horror aspect. And I feel like the the design direction for this game gets that really yeah, well. Definitely. Which is another, like, Lovecrafty type right. thing to do. The, you know, greatest fear is fear itself. Fear of the unknown. Yeah, something the about unknown. Something about fear of... Of cosmic things out of your control that change your life and take away your stability with you having no say in it. Yeah. Um, would you say that this game is, in fact, then a psychological thriller? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Besides all of the good sort of, like, that stuff. I don't even know how to wrap all that up into a, a, a term. Uh, I did really like the sword equip mechanic where you can not not that you can only do it at certain places but whatever you choose to equip as your sword item gives you a benefit and a drawback yeah that's that's kind of a cool mechanic mm-hmm. that i appreciated yeah uh yeah um and i appreciate that you don't have the perma loss of resources right i don't know is that does that count i don't know if that's novel necessarily um, I guess for the genre, for the genre, it, it is, is a bit of a because even um, Hollow Knight, which does a similar thing, still makes you still has a permanent drop. What? Yeah, you have to go back to get your souls. Right, you break your magic meter. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Which is similar. You can only then you can only carry so much magic. Right. What about the name? About uh, it's called Blasphemous. Yeah. I think that's a perfectly I think it's pretty good. accurate title. It uh, it's interesting, particularly because I don't know if it's necessarily blasphemous from our perspective, <laughs> from like our world's perspective, because it doesn't. Even though, like you said, it's using all these pieces of things that seem familiar, it's not describing like real Catholicism right. as it exists in our world. So it's not really blasphemous uh-huh. because it's not talking about anything that exists here yeah but it is you are fundamentally blasphemous yes. in the context your, of the game your existence is, is blasphemous blasphemy. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so that's kind of cool yes um did you have any other ideas for titles i thought that like maybe some sort of something very similar but like something in latin or spanish or something mm. would have made sense yeah uh but maybe would have been a little less accessible Probably. So my thoughts were either penance or penitent one. Mm -hmm. You could have the 
the miracle, the sorrowful miracle, or the grievous miracle, uh-huh. which are all terms that they, they use. Right. Um, heresy, which would be essentially the same thing. Right. Or uh, mea culpa. Mea culpa would be good. Which is appropriate for the theming of the game and also the name of your sword. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Those would all be good. <laughs> Uh, what sort of um, room for improvement type things? So, um, instant kill spikes need to go. And I'd even say that instant kill anything has to go. I realize that might be a controversial opinion. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The So, I think the only other time that I remember that being a thing was the baby grab. And that move is so easy to dodge. Yeah. That it's barely, like, a thing. Right. It's it's so well telegraphed that you almost only get hit by accident. Uh-huh. That's and it's, I don't know, it's kind of worth it for the animation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, re- it's mostly the spikes. The spikes and the yes. bottomless pits that I can't stand. Yeah, and it's hard because the bottomless pits are an actual mechanic in the game. Right. You just don't know that. Right. Until way later. Yeah, the fact that it doesn't let you go back and subvert those with that item until, like, way at the end, without really giving you any hint that that's coming, right. is annoying. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that we talked about earlier, not in the podcast, but earlier amongst in, ourselves. in life, <laughs> in the green room, in the world, um, is um, that it would be nice to have a more consolidated hub. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a Souls game, I really... Like, I don't want to chase down NPCs or vendors outside in the world. Because oftentimes, venturing out into the world is dangerous in itself. Right. Less so in this game. Yeah. But there's still the the time tax involved in in hunting them down. Um, To this game's credit, it does a really good job of marking almost everything on the map. Yes. Um, So anytime you have, like, a unique room type, it will mark it. Yeah, which is nice. So... Getting, you can at least find how to get back to it. But, right. but yeah, having a more universal hub yeah. would be better. Is it Souls 2 or 3, 2 that had, a, what you call it? Majula? Majula. Majula? Yeah. Yeah. I think that really hit the nail on the head. Yes. Um, especially, yeah, especially having the, the, you know, I don't mind finding the people out in the world. That's mm-hmm. that's all well and good. Yeah. As long as they make it back to my hub area. Right. Yeah, I don't have to re-find them when I yeah. find them again. Um, so, like, for instance, if the bull painting... I mean, so the bull painting makes sense in the place that it is. Yeah. Because the area is called the living canvases. Yeah. Um, but if it was in the main town instead of that... You would find it a lot quicker. Uh-huh. Um, and then you would have like, oh, well, I should routinely come back here and check in on this because right. something's got to happen eventually. Right. And that's something that actually even Hollow Knight bugged me about. Yeah. It had a few different vendors and quest, like progressive quest recipients. I don't know what the best term for that is, but they were, they're scattered around. Yeah. They were hard to get to. And you might, what particularly annoyed me about that in this game is like so so take the the god who exists in the fountain who uh-huh. can purify items for you he tells you he can do that but items that can be purified you I, you can't hear my air quotes but they're happening uh 
is not a category of item that exists in the game. So, um... Is, was there a thing? That's true. I, I will say that um, the only way to get to him the first time yeah. is to have something that can be purified. Okay. But what that ends up meaning is every time you get a new item, right. you kind of have to go back and just try talking to him and see if something happens. Yeah. And there's actually a few different people that are like that. Yeah. So you pick up things and be like, oh, like... You know the 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 guys that their their deal is that they kiss the wounded and they also want you to bring them herbs. But sometimes you find things that are like plants or might be herbs, but actually they don't want. Uh-huh. There's no way of telling what items satisfy which quest requests. Yeah, which is unfortunate and means you end up wasting time backtracking, which is already a little bit of a hassle <laughs> as it is. So right. like, there's that. Yeah, um, I I like the thematic like. The, the idea that you find the pure white stone in front of a confessor in the Brotherhood of Silent Sorrows makes, like, thematic and story sense. Yeah. Like, obviously they would have those things. Right. Because that's, that's things that positions them against. Right. Um, but the fact that that is in a part of the beginning of the game that's locked off to you right. that you may or may not come back to depending yeah. on how you explore yeah. means that it could be a really long time before you find the one NPC in the game that can add extra rosary knots onto right. your rosary. Right. Which is really weird. Yeah. Uh, and it's... Man, it does another thing that annoys me about Dark Souls games is it asks you if you want to give an item to someone without telling you <laughs> what the why. Con- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, is there any... Like, in those cases, there's never a reason not to give yeah. those reads to the ghost. Right. So why does it ask you, do you want to? Why doesn't it just tell you right. that happens? Or why doesn't it tell you, like, hey, I can give you more rosary slots if you give me beads? Right. Like, just, just a little... That could even be an opportunity to communicate additional lore. Yeah. You know? You don't have to just have it be a mechanical thing. Uh, yeah, I hate, I hate stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I realize that that's sort of like it's in character for that's, that game. Um, that's another thing they do in, uh, like, Resident Evil games really like to do that. Yeah. Um, where, like... The later games are better about it, but oftentimes when you get keys uh-huh. um, and use it, like... It'll it'll give you a prompt to get rid of it or not. Right. Why? Yeah. why? Right. Like, sometimes it'll even say, this item is no longer useful. Do you want to discard it? Uh-huh. Wh- then, yeah. What happens if I don't? Why would I not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, or along the same lines of, like, instead of walking up to a door and it saying... It's locked. Do you want to use the silver key? You, you walk up to the door and, and you, you have to um, pick the silver key right. out when that well, is the only thing you would do there anyway. Open the menu, go over to the silver key, <laughs> select to use. Yeah. The, a little bit of convenience would be yeah. appreciated there. Yeah. Having a more consolidated and more fully functional hub yeah. would be nice. Yeah. Um, the one other thing would be, and this, this was really just a nice to have. But, like, I wish that you could have had a little more customize, customization options with your main weapon and sub-weapon. Yeah. So even if you just had, like, a very basic, like, you could have the fast and weak or the slow and strong uh-huh. sort of a deal. And, like, for the sub-weapon, if you could have had, like, eventually you get to the point where it boomerangs, 
which is yes. kind of fun. Yeah. If instead of making it stronger and stronger, maybe you could have upgraded it to different attack forms. Yeah. Yeah. This one is you know covers a wider area. This one covers a longer range. This one shoots in three directions at once. Like yeah. that kind of stuff is kind of fun. And also kind of not only like classic for the genre, right? Yeah. But kind of grew out of a necessity for you needing to deal with vertical threats right. that you couldn't normally deal with. Right. In this game, it's not nearly the problem that it is no. in, say, Salt and Sanctuary, where right. flying enemies are literally the worst thing to <laughs> yeah. ever happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it would be cool if you could change, so you could, yeah, you could change it from, like, a a straight-out projectile to a boomerang to, a, like, an axe yeah. to a holy water. Yeah, one that arcs to one that hits the ground to, again, one that has a short range but does a lot of damage or a long range, but a little damage. Um, I know that there's a lot of... It almost seems like a shame that so much of this game is optional. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff I missed. Yeah, me too. Um, Although, what percentage did you get? Did pretty you... high. Okay. Like, but I, I feel like there's still a lot of maybe like NPC quests that I didn't get through yeah. or um, like prayers that I missed. I honestly never changed my special move. Oh, yeah. I just stuck with the one that shoots out fire that moves along the floor. And mm-hmm. that's it. The lightning one's pretty good. Yeah. Because you can hit things. That, that is one where you can hit things, like, above you because the lightning bolt comes gotcha. down. Had to get cherubs that way. <sighs> actually, also, the other one that, like, makes you attack faster or something oh, like yeah. that, that was actually pretty good against bosses. Okay. So, I don't know. Let's, yeah. But, so maybe, I don't know, maybe more variety in those or mm-hmm. something that feels like more of an incentive to change. Yeah. Like, if they were, if they were more dramatically different, so... You know, like a time stop, or yeah. I mean, we're just retreading Castlevania, Castlevania at this items, point, yeah. but like a, a shield, a time stop, a right. whole screen clear, a bouncy thing. Yeah. Um, there's one that shoots a beam forward that's that I think I used for a little bit. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool, but. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, having, not necessarily having better weapons, but just having a more interesting choice of weapons yeah. is always kind of fun. Even if you do end up just sticking with the one you like. Right. At least you feel like you made a decision. You uh-huh. know. Any other critiques or room for improvement? I don't think so. I don't think so just, either. Just like, uh, you know, also with the, the skill tree, I think it could either A, be totally gone, yeah. to be perfectly honest. I agree. I don't think every game needs a skill tree. No. And I don't feel like the progression through the skill tree mattered that much yeah. in this game. It, and especially, like, I don't, I don't know if maybe they were trying to, like, manage the economy mm-hmm. so you felt a little bit poor every time you reached a merchant. Hmm. So you felt like those decisions were more weighty. Yeah. Like, if you're only ever spending tears on buying items, then, then you don't, you don't do the have to have the consideration of, like, would I rather unlock another ability or buy this, you know, rosary bead or vile jar or whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, like I said, I often found myself with more 
Me tiers too. that I knew what to do with, yeah. and not necessarily abilities I wanted to unlock. Right. So yeah, like, do I really need my attack down into the ground attack to be stronger? I never use it as it is. Right. <laughs> or the charge attack. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if they did want to have those abilities staggered out, just have them unlock when you get the next level of sword. Yeah. Um, yeah, have each new level of sword come with a new ability. When you get to the second level, you get your ranged attack. And right. And the third level, you get your down attack. And then the fourth level, you get the charge attack. And you wonder right. why that's good. And then, and then maybe, like, you could have, I don't know, a separate... No, because then you're spending money to buy abilities again. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to fix that economy. But it yeah. doesn't really seem to function very well in the game. Yeah, I think, again, spending money to unlock more interesting variations yeah. makes sense. So maybe you get the... Uh, eventually you do get the charge ability that shoots a little bit, too. Mm, like, yeah. it's more ranged. Uh, you can have the one that, like, you know, charges faster but does less damage, or, mm -hmm. you know, just little stuff like that. But the ground ground attack, or the ground pound, eventually, like, shoots out shockwaves, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But all of those said, those are pretty minor gripes. They really I would are. say, in, in a pretty fantastic game. Yeah. Oh, uh, Blood Platforms. Oh, yeah. I was a little bit annoyed about Blood Platforms. Yeah. Because that was a case where you could see, while you're going through levels, you could see, like, oh, there's weird little, like, things that are there that I can't interact with yet mm -hmm. until you get the ability to interact with them. And then they just, like, phase those platforms into existence. Mm -hmm. Which is, that's, that's one of those where, like, it's just a key to unlock a new area. Yeah. It doesn't actually... You could never get to that area before. It's it's not like it gives you a double jump. Right. There that that's something you could say for this game is the traversal abilities really aren't No, they're not they don't have a par on that. Secondary use. Yeah. They're only traversal. Right. Which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But it's not even a thing where like it would be cool if they found a way to and I know that the like boss arenas aren't really set up in such a way to like utilize that but yeah. if if they found a way to work them into boss yeah rooms. definitely so like if you came into this boss with the sanctified blood or whatever right then you would get access to these extra platforms that would make the fight maybe a Just little, a little easier. easier yeah or you know if you had the twisted three twisted tongues then yeah. you could you know uh, jump onto the route that lets you avoid a, you know, super attack yeah, or something. Yeah, ground attack. Yeah, definitely. Being, that is always, like, a tough thing to do in game design. It seems like it must be because a lot of games struggle with it, but it's very much appreciated when yeah. it's done well. Especially in a, you know, in a, in a setting where you don't want to feel like you're just doing the same thing that everyone else is doing, right? Right, right. So, like, everybody, you know, double jump is, like, a cultural thing uh -huh. now. Right. You know, you expect it in a Metroidvania. Uh, and I honestly kind of miss it here. Yeah. Um, although I will say that the way that the levels and the the detection for uh, um, for what counts as a platform and what doesn't mm -hmm. is incredibly generous in the fact that it'll yeah. let the top of your head 
clip through yeah. uh, platforms just a little bit yeah. so you have the clearance to jump from area to area. Right. Um, instead of that being like a weird, like you have to do precise platforming yeah. thing. Yeah, the uh, yeah the platforming like navigation is fine. Yeah. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Um, we kind of already talked about this, but like it has a really good story. But it is really the gameplay that is the... I, I don't think I would say, if you really like the way this game looks, you should play it. So much as... Well, I mean, like... Like, you need to be down for the gameplay if you're going to make it yeah, through this game, you know? that's true. Uh, that being said, I don't... Maybe we can... Unless you have anything else to say, mm. um, we can roll straight into who would you, would recommend, you recommend this it? to? Yeah, which I would say everyone. Me too. Like, there's literally no reason not to play this right. game. If if you like Metroidvania, you should definitely play this game. Yeah. If you like Souls games, it maybe might it's less seem a little automa- too easy. Right. But but still, like really solid. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. I, and I don't think you have to love the genre to appreciate that this is a really good game. I think. Right. Maybe that's a little... I mean, like, both of us love the genre, so that's a little bit... <laughs> but... But, and also, like, going back to the the difficulty and how it's sort of tuned towards the lower mm-hmm. denominator instead of the higher means that, like, the skill level barrier to entry is much lower, too. Yes. So you don't have to worry about, oh, this is a new genre, like, I have to learn all the new things involved right. with it. Basically, all you need to know is attack, jump, jump dash. Jump, dodge. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And if you want to spend time, like, learning things in the game, then you can, you know, get all your special powers or your, right. your traversal abilities right. or whatever. Or get really good at parrying yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And even parrying, I, I have to say, like, this it's is pretty generous. one of the most generous yeah. games of parrying <laughs> I've ever encountered. Yeah. Um, aside from a couple of particularly tough bosses mm-hmm. and not tough but frustrating platforming, like, yeah. um, like spike sections where they really, they're like, oh, it, here we're going to have spike floor and then also swinging uh, guillotine blades that knock you into the spike uh-huh. floor. And, and also flying enemies that follow you around. <laughs> and also platforms that fall out from under you. Right. Like they're, they, they do get a little carried away on that, but not, I mean, not in such a way that... No, think, it's not the rule. Like it right. happens a couple times, but those are sort of exceptional and yeah. hard areas. And they're near the end, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say that like in the same way that if you like, if you like Metroidvania stuff, you have you really should play Hollow Knight. Yeah. Like, it's required reading. <laughs> I actually kind of think that this might be there, too. Yeah. Honestly. I think so. It's it's another different but good example of, of a modern take on the genre. Yeah. We like it a lot. Yes. <laughs> we think you should play it. <laughs> um, the other thing that I, I completely forgot about hmm. is they even... Did you ever use the um, NPC helper in boss fights? No, I never did. Okay, so I didn't either because <laughs> okay. I'm, you know, yeah. I mean, I feel like years of playing Souls games has taught right. me that only, you know, scrubs summon yeah. NPC summons. <laughs> um, but um, she's actually like, she's a separate NPC. She'll pop up before every boss fight except 
the last, the last one. one. She and tells you specifically she can't help with the last yeah. one. Yeah, and then maybe like one of the other ones. Yeah, like maybe some of the more optional ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, She's there for every like required boss for sure. Yeah. Um, you can use her, I want to say, three times before her, before her like quest line oh, resolves. Okay. Yeah. Um, but basically what she does is she'll stand in the boss battle and heal you when your health gets really low. Oh, okay. And there's no, like, consequence for using her. Oh, okay. You don't expend anything to summon her. Um, In fact, I think in order to complete her quest line, and she gives you a prayer for doing that, you have to summon her multiple times in boss fights. Which is another, like, kindness. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Huh, that's good to know. Yeah. Okay. I think that's that's all there is to say about that game. Yeah, I think so. Go play it already. Yeah, oh, do it, please. <laughs> um, it's worth it. Yeah. Also, please support this studio so they keep making cool games. Yeah. I'd be very interested to see what they do next. Yeah, I'd, me too. I'd be okay with DLC. Um, it seems like there's a lot of room for DLC. Apparently, there's been um, there's some like unused art concepts in the uh you can get like a digital art book for it oh yeah um and there's some um like npc and enemy concept art that wasn't used that people speculate are going to be in a dlc oh, nice. so okay that or a sequel or maybe a whole new game i yeah. don't i don't i just want them to keep making games yeah, they should do more of this They're doing a good job. <laughs> it also makes me really curious about their first two games yeah so uh next time i'm not sure i i've got a couple of different ideas i think i might just have us play sanitarium mm-hmm. just because that seems like a really interesting game and i know um there's a sort of a cult following yeah. around it so probably worth investigating yeah um but until then brother If you I like this, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like, subscribe, comment, right. share, turn on notifications. Um, <laughs> we're on Facebook. Yeah. We got Games These Days podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're at, on Tumblr at Games These Days podcast.tumblr.com. Got iTunes, we got Castbox, we got Spotify. Spotify. Someday we might have a website. I keep saying that. Uh, I should really make the website at some yeah. point. Uh, all right, play this game. Do it. <laughs> all right. Well, that was good. Yeah. God, I hope it's recording. It is. Okay. So that's an hour and forty-five minutes. Wow, it's pretty good. That is pretty good. Yeah. It's such a good game. It's so good. <laughs> I want everyone to play it. I know. Oh, goodness. It's very, like, it is a very rewarding feeling knowing that, like, I helped make that game. Yeah, totally. And it turned out to be such a good game. Yeah, because, like, Kickstarters are always a little bit, like, iffy or whatever, but, like... Yeah, especially now that there's been, like, a couple of different sort of scandal. <laughs> yeah. We, we disappeared with all of your money. Failed spectacularly. <laughs> yeah. This is not one of those. No.